Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. There's a lot that goes into making a hit song. It needs to launch at the right time, with the right promotional team behind it, and it has to be performed by the right musician. Dolly Parton, for example, wrote her number one hit, Jolene, the same day she wrote another well-known tune in 1973. But despite that other song also hitting number one, it wouldn't become the classic it is today for another 20 years. I Will Always Love You wasn't a sensation until after it was reimagined by the late great Whitney Houston. In fact, it's pretty common for one musician to write a song for another to sing it instead. It's how some get their start before they break out on their own. Others climb the ladder to stardom by writing catchy jingles for TV and radio commercials. There are many roads that lead to a bright career in the entertainment industry. Just look at Barry Pincus. Pincus was born in Brooklyn, New York in 1943. He called the neighborhood of Williamsburg his childhood home before enrolling at the City College of New York. His stay there didn't last long, though. Barry was destined for bigger things and soon switched to the New York College of Music to obtain his degree. To make ends meet while he was still in school, he worked for CBS, where he started making industry connections. When he was 21 years old, a CBS director named Bro Herod asked Pincus for some help. The network was putting on a musical adaptation of a play called The Drunkard, a work of temperance propaganda that was popular during the mid-1800s. Herod asked Pincus to whip up a few songs for the show. Nothing too big. Instead, the up-and-coming songwriter composed a whole score. Herod was so impressed, he used it for the off-Broadway production that ran for almost a decade. Over the years, Pincus took on various jobs as a pianist and songwriter, eventually getting a gig that would allow him to reach audiences all over the country. It wasn't uncommon for Americans to get his melodies stuck in their heads, thanks to the ad breaks in the middle of their favorite shows. Ever get stuck on Band-Aid brand? Well, you can thank Mr. Pincus. Do you consider your insurance company like a good neighbor? His nine-note jingle is still used by State Farm to this day. From KFC to Stridex, you couldn't go long without hearing one of Pincus's famous tunes being pumped through your television speakers. And for some ads where he didn't write the song, he provided the vocals instead. He recorded commercials for McDonald's and their You Deserve a Break Today campaign, as well as Pepsi's Pepsi Generation ads. But he didn't want to spend the rest of his life selling fast food and Band-Aids. Pincus wanted a full-blown music career, which he kicked off with a small act of his own in the early 70s. Singer and actress Bette Midler saw him one night and hired him to be her pianist at one of her upcoming performances. It went well. So well, in fact, that it led to a producer role for Pincus 
on Midler's first and second albums. On top of his producing duties, he remained steadfast in his desire to write hit pop songs. Unfortunately, they weren't becoming hits because of him. His song, Could It Be Magic, became a bestseller for disco queen Donna Summer. In fact, when Pincus finally broke through on the Billboard charts, it wasn't with a song of his own at all. The track, called Brandy, had been written by Scott English and Richard Kerr in 1971. Legendary record executive Clive Davis suggested that Pincus recorded in 1974, at which time the artist changed its name, so as not to get it confused with a similarly titled hit from a few years earlier. The new track, now called Mandy, went on to the top of the charts and earned Pincus his first gold single. However, he didn't go by Pincus now. He had adopted his mother's maiden name, Manilow. Over the next several decades, Barry Manilow rose from catchy jingle writer to arena-filling superstar with hit songs like Looks Like We Made It and I Write the Songs. And funny enough, many of Manilow's hits weren't actually written by him at all. Looks Like We Made It was originally by Will Jennings and Brandy co-writer Richard Kerr. Songwriters Charles Fox and Norrin Gimbel penned 1978's Ready to Take a Chance Again, and I Write the Songs was written by Beach Boys member Bruce Johnston in 1975. It became a number one single for Manilow one year later. Barry Manilow may not have written all of his own hits, but his music has stood the test of time nonetheless. And if you're not near a CD player or radio and you want to hear one of his songs, just turn on the television and wait for a commercial break. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This episode is sponsored by Intuit. Here's a story for you. Once upon a time, a young woman was haunted by the ghosts of bad financial decisions, with credit card debt and an empty savings account looming over her every day. But when she tried to ignore these ghosts, they only grew bigger and scarier, and these ghosts of her bad financial decisions were stopping her from living her best life. So she decided to face them head-on and take control of her finances with help from Intuit. Intuit helps you face your financial fears with confidence through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. 
Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Traditions can be sacred. Ending a ritual that has gone on for years, even decades, can be a traumatic experience for those who have come to expect the comfort of its performance each time. It might be something a departed relative had started before their death, or something to ensure good luck before a major event. For the students of a major military academy in 1826, the loss of their annual Christmas tradition wasn't just a problem. It was cause for a riot. It all started on Christmas Eve of that year. The cadets at the U.S. Military Academy, also known as West Point, were in their barracks celebrating the holiday, though they were not singing carols or sitting down to a quiet turkey dinner. They were staging a mutiny. The Academy's superintendent, Colonel Thayer, had a feeling that there was bound to be commotion that night, so he assigned Captain Ethan Allen Hitchcock and Lieutenant William A. Thornton to watch over the North Barracks. All was quiet for much of the evening, with Hitchcock and Thornton heading to bed around midnight. A few hours later, Hitchcock was stirred from his slumber by a commotion coming from a few floors up. He climbed the stairs, only to find a group of cadets throwing a massive party. Sometime later, another cadet ran in to warn everyone that Hitchcock was coming. He didn't know the man had already arrived. Hitchcock instructed the cadet to go back to his room, which he did without incident. That cadet's name? future president of the Confederacy, Jefferson Davis. Hitchcock ordered the rest of the boys to return to their rooms before he marched back downstairs, but soon heard another group of rambunctious young men gallivanting nearby. Two were hidden under a blanket, hoping not to get caught, while another had covered his face with a hat. Hitchcock tried to get the cadet to remove the hat from his face to ascertain his identity, but the man refused. Eventually, the captain left to find backup while the students rallied together, one of them shouting, Get your dirks and bayonets, and pistols if you have them. Before this night is over, Hitchcock will be dead. And they weren't joking. The cadets hurled wooden sticks at Hitchcock's door and shattered his windows with rocks. They paraded up and down the hallways, bayonets and muskets ready for action. One cadet fired a pistol at the captain, but missed when another bumped into him, throwing off his aim. But Hitchcock managed to find someone who wasn't part of the riot and told him to bring reinforcements, which the man mistook to mean bombardiers or artillery forces. As a result, they armed themselves despite never being under any kind of threat. They broke dishes, furniture, and other items in the barracks in an effort to defend against foes that were never actually coming. By the time the cadets had sobered up and realized what they were doing, Commandant Worth showed up to bring an end to the riot once and for all. The North Barracks were in shambles. Pieces of crockery lay strewn on the floor, banisters had been ripped away from staircases, windows had been broken, and furniture had been smashed to bits. In the end, nobody died, but two officers were injured. And then there were the hangovers. You see, the riot hadn't been started from displeasure among the cadets or anger toward Hitchcock. It was because of a drink. Because of eggnog. Several months earlier, Colonel Thayer had instituted a new rule at West Point. 
no alcohol on the premises. Apparently, at that year's Independence Day celebration, the cadets had gotten drunk and carried Commandant Worth away on their shoulders. After their disgraceful conduct, Colonel Thayer banned all alcoholic beverages from being consumed or stored at the academy. However, the students weren't going to let their Christmas tradition just die because of one silly rule. Instead, they crossed the Hudson River and procured gallons of booze from a local tavern, which they consumed in glasses of homemade eggnog back in their barracks. What transpired resulted in the court-martialing of 19 cadets and one soldier. Jefferson Davis and 21 others were placed under house arrest on December 26th. Of the 19 who were court-martialed, only eight were pardoned for their participation in the eggnog riot of 1826, and five actually graduated from the academy afterward. And honestly, who knew that West Point was such a party school? I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.